Welcome to episode 254 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode, we review the group games in the 2021 Rugby League World Cup. We preview the quarterfinals and much, much more. Join us as we build a Rugby League community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Uh, welcome to episode 254 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, everybody, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, we are done and dusted with the group stage of the Men's Rugby League World Cup. Are you pumped up for the quarterfinals? I am, yeah. Look, I'm, I am absolutely, truly pumped up. It's been a great World Cup, you know, Doctor T. Like, I think we've had some upsets, um, some really close nail biters, um, and we can't go past, you know, at the G, India and Pakistan, record score, and you know, it came down to the last ball, and it's been uh, probably, I would say, the best World Cup ever. <laughs> Which is a lot uh, different to what we could talk about with the Rugby League World Cup. But, you know, there has been some standouts. I mean, uh, you know, we've got to bring up Reese Martin, right? Oh, you know, yeah, Reece, absolutely. Reese yeah. Martin did not miss a goal during, well, the last time, well, he's, he's now missed a goal, obviously, because he. he uh, <laughs> eventually yeah, he did. He eventually he did. But, uh, you know, his, his goal scoring record, like, uh, or conversion record, had, uh, you know, it, it had been going on. Uh, like for three British prime ministers. Oh, <laughs> is it, maybe is it the metric? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So he he did uh, fantastically well, but I think it was like what uh, fifty one uh, or I think it was fifty one goals in a row. So look, you know, a World Cup. Look, yeah. So there's been like I know uh, it hasn't really ha- set the world on fire. A lot of people have. It's got some negative publicity, but I think there's been some really uh, highlights as well. Like you know, let's. Uh, Let's take the positive people, you know what I mean? Like if, uh, you know, it's, um, you know, put it this way, I did see Black Adam and I thought that Rugby League World Cup had more entertainment than Black Adam. So, yeah. Oh, no, that's saying something. (laughs) Well, The Rock will be knocking on your door saying, what's cooking? And then, uh, yeah, Mm. watch out. Look, but we we will talk about that. You raise a point uh, that people, you know, have been talking about this World Cup being a bit of a farce so far because of the blowout scores, et cetera. So I thought we'd talk a little bit about that later in the show mm. because I think it's worth raising. Uh, it's good to sort of, now that the group stage is done and dusted, done, done and dusted, we will, you know, take a look back, check in, see how things are going. Uh, and and I think this is a good time to do it. I've, I've got to sort of preface this uh, before we start in saying, normally we were expecting to do a, a a show last week, but uh, we decided instead to wait until the group stages were over. Uh, makes more sense now now that we know what's happening with the quarterfinals. Uh, so uh, that's why you didn't get one. For those of you Rugby League Republic junkies out there, uh, that's why we didn't put one out last week. But it certainly has given us a lot more to talk about because <laughs> there's been a, uh, another round of games, another week of games, and uh, 
and now we're we're much clearer i think in uh, seeing the road ahead of us than we were about a week ago uh so without any further ado let's jump into the six tackles and here we go with tackle number one All right, so we will review uh, the tackle number one is our look at the latest Rugby League World Cup results uh, in the in the men's tournament, which we're focusing on. Uh, let's go through uh, what well, we've already done kind of a week one summary uh, in our previous episode. Let's look at week two results and then we'll end up with week three and then we'll jump into our next tackle, which is the quarterfinal previews. Um, so week two started with uh, uh, Australia 84-0 over Scotland, Fiji 60-4 over Italy. Now, this was a key one because this was one where we really wanted to see uh, Italy testing, uh, you know, how how close was it to getting the number that covered a number two spot in that group with uh, Fiji, and it turned out not, not so close. 60-4, <laughs> Fiji flogged them. Um, England, 42 versus France, 18, which is not so bad. I mean, it was a flogging, but uh, France kind of, when you consider how much they've been building uh, in terms of their uh, UK Super League involvement, um, you know, it's good enough. They're not quite in top tier, I think. So uh, I think that was kind of clear to see. New Zealand, 68-6 to six over debutants Jamaica, uh, who have, uh, I believe, was that their first try that they scored in the tournament? Yes. Uh, first try ever against New Zealand. So a big momentous occasion there. Uh, the cool runnings, this is worth uh, worthy of a movie. The first ever try, I think, uh, in, in the World Cup. Uh, Lebanon, 32-14 to 14 over Ireland. Ireland actually, look, uh, you know, close to knocking on that kind of second tier, I think, of nations. Uh, still a way to go, but I think they performed quite well considering. But Lebanon, uh, too classy, too strong there. Samoa, 72-4. to four. So remembering in week one, they got flogged by uh, England unexpectedly. Uh, they turned it around 72-4 to four against debutants Greece, who are probably at a similar kind of low level at this stage uh, as Jamaica. Then we saw Tonga, 32-6 to six over Wales. Again, a clear result, but uh, probably not as much as, as some would have expected. And finally, Papua New Guinea, 32 over Cook Islands, 16. So the cookies were, uh, you know, knocking on the door there as well. But I think PNG quite rightly have, uh, you know, cemented their place in uh, in that kind of uh, you know, again, second tier, just below the top tier. I think I think that's where they they've been operating for a while, um, and that certainly came across. Um, week three is uh, was so. This is the final one, and this is where we got to finally see how the 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 draw panned out for each of the groups. New Zealand forty eight versus Ireland ten. So again, the number one ranked nation against a pretty good. Uh, Ireland team uh, with Luke Kiwi there at the helm, uh, but New Zealand way too classy, way too good. England ninety-four to four against Greece, unbelievable, uh, unbelievable flog in there. 
Fiji, 30-14 to 14 over Scotland. So Fiji, after flogging Italy week the week before, um, struggled a little bit against Scotland. Scotland gave a bit of a showing, but in, at the end of the day, I think the score flattered the Scottish. Uh, Australia, 66-6 to six against Italy. Uh, to be expected, we're talking about, you know, the reigning World Cup champions, uh, not the number one ranked nation at the moment, but... Certainly um, a team that's hungry for success and Italy just uh, out completely outclassed as to be expected. Lebanon, 74 to Jamaica, 12. Um, so again, Jamaica scoring some tries there, which is good. Lebanon really showing uh, some strengths there. And I think they, uh, they've they been the surprise packet in the group stages, not in terms of the fact that they've been winning, but how they've been winning. I think they've that's, they've really performed very well. Um, now, we talked about the Cook Islands being knocking on the door close enough to PMG. Tonga put 92 points on them. 92 to 10, Tonga versus Cook Islands uh, on, uh, yeah, it was on Halloween night, <laughs> which is unbelievable, you know, very spooky for the cookies. Um, but Tonga really starting to rev up for the quarterfinals, so dangerous signs there. Samoa. Also revving up, 62-4 to four against France. This is a France that, uh, you know, did not so badly against uh, England the, the previous week. Um, but Samoa really turning it around after that first round disappointment. And finally, um, this is one where we differed in our tips, which we'll talk about later. PNG versus Wales. Wales, uh, you know, used to be probably one of the best of the second uh, you know, behind England of the of the home nations there in the UK. Uh, I don't think they have shown that this time. I think they kind of firmly last in terms of the four nations there. But PNG, 36 to nil. The Wales team couldn't even put on a point against PNG, which is really disappointing. But also for the PNG, really good that it showed their ability to sort of hold that strong defence uh, and and not just sort of play uh, razzle dazzle football without without good solid defence. So all that uh, basically means that uh, we've got our quarterfinals sorted out. We have Australia, Lebanon, England, PNG, New Zealand, Fiji, and Tonga Samoa. We're going to talk about the quarterfinals in a minute. But Tish, our last chance to look back at the end of tackle number one here. What have been, you know, maybe one or two highlights, teams that have been pressed, uh, stories uh, to tell from the group stages, uh, you know, one or two highlights, what, what do you think? Yeah, well, look, I think I think uh, Mr. Checker, Michael Checker, right, I think he's <laughs> one of the talking points. Obviously, you know, Lebanon, not really, uh, look, I don't know what their world ranking was prior to the World Cup, but getting into the fi- quarterfinals, um, you know, I think was a bit of surprise about how well they're doing, but it just shows, you know, having the quality of of halves in there. Now, I know they have Jamaica in the competition, but they also have Ireland, right, with Luke Carey. And I think a lot of people might have thought that perhaps, you know, the Irish with their Super League contingent as well as Luke Carey might have done well. But I think Lebanon has has shown, um, you know, he, you know, with, with passion and a, a bit of NRL class in the halves, what what a team can do, you know, and um, you know the uh, you know the the other team that sort of did a bit of impression, like you know, was the Cook Islands, but unfortunately they sort of fell away in the last game, uh, <laughs> you know. But 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 I thought that they had a had a pretty good um, 
you know, I thought they had a pretty good opportunity to get there. Obviously, Wales is very disappointing in that in that comp. Um, but yeah, look, I've got to say that the eight teams that have, I think, what I this group stage has shown is that um, a obviously you you still have, uh, you know, you still have the top three, and you could probably put Tonga in as a as sort of a top four, and I think that they're kind of there. But I think you've seen the second tier uh, also um, pull away from the third tier. Um, well, I don't know how close they've got to the second to the first tier, if I, if I might say. So I'd say that the the difference between the first and the second tier is probably still the same. But what has happened is that you've seen Papua New Guinea, Fiji, Samoa, and uh, yeah, uh, and and Lebanon. I'll put, put them in that. You've seen them improve against some of the other nations, uh, and I think, and I think we have a, I think we have a solid top eight. Of, of teams that are now going to play in the quarterfinals. I think that's that's for me the 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 big story or the story behind the story in the group stages. What about yourself, Doctor T? Yeah, look, before I jump into that, I you, the issue of world ranking is actually interesting. So let me let me tell you what the top ten is, uh, and maybe a little bit further, just to give you a bit of sense of how you know this this the quarterfinalists haven't necessarily aligned exactly with our top eight ranks. So maybe it's something to do with the ranking system, but uh, definitely, as you said, I, I agree with your summation that there's been a bit of shifting of the world order, but at the lower levels, I think, or at the, the levels of, you know, just below the top tier. Uh, so obviously number one ranked team is uh, New Zealand at the moment. Uh, Australia is second. Number three is England. So the, this is what we've traditionally called the top three. You know, we've had the Tri-Nations that involved those teams, etc. cetera. Uh, and then quite clearly after that, we've got Tonga at number four, who obviously with their victory over Australia, unexpected victory in 2019, has been challenging and potentially is going to challenge for the World Cup, as I'm going to suggest later, uh, or I have suggested already, and I've tipped them. Um, but number five uh, is Fiji. Again, that's because they have been, you know, in the last two World Cups, they have, uh, or three actually, World Cup, the last three World Cups that have been played, they yeah. have been semi-finalists. So, you know, they are there or thereabouts uh, just below that top tier at either four or five. So that makes sense that they're currently ranked five. Six is obviously Papua New Guinea. Now, they've never progressed beyond quarterfinals. So that's that's an issue that we're going to talk about later. Uh, they are currently uh, ranked number six. Um, seven, we have Samoa. Uh, and and I think, uh, you know, Samoa has also never progressed beyond quarterfinals. So it remains to be seen if they will this time around, given who they've lined up against. Uh, number eight, we've got France. Uh, France hasn't at all uh, beyond their runners-up in 1968. They have never progressed uh, even towards group stage, past the group stage. So um, that is really unusual. Um, but, uh, but yeah, for some reason, they're ranked number eight. Then you've got Scotland at number nine. Then you've got Lebanon at number 10. Now, Lebanon made the quarterfinals last time. And I think the fact that they're only ranked number 10 has a lot to do with potentially the fact that they haven't had much exposure and, and many games. Uh, and that's been an issue. Um, and then 11, 12, 13 is Greece, Ireland, and Italy. So, 
Um, you know, obviously we've seen Ireland perform better than Scotland in this World Cup. We've seen Italy perform better than Greece, despite the rankings being slightly different. Um, and Lebanon have been, you know, if they're ranked number 10, they shouldn't be uh, number eight, but France is number eight at the moment. So I think I think it's fair to say this: the test is now on for Lebanon to see whether they can make that next step to the level just above where they're at at the moment. So, um, yeah, but my back, your, your question was what highlights. I think, uh, you know, Lebanon, seeing Lebanon put together some amazing scores, seeing mm. Tonga put together 92 against Cook Islands. I mean, Cook Islands is, uh, they're no slouches when it comes to, you know, even the, uh, the South Pacific kind of test matches that we see being played against other nations. Uh, but for them to put on 92 in the, the game before uh, the quarterfinals, I think Tonga is looking pretty scary. Um, Samoa equally are starting to get it together. Uh, we're going to talk about, obviously, it's going to be a, an epic heavyweight matchup in the quarterfinals, Tonga v Samoa. Um, but, it, you know, most of the other teams, I think Fiji impressed a little bit. Obviously, Australia and England and New Zealand did what they needed to do, and and then some in some cases. Um, you know, uh, so yeah, very very good. I think overall, Australia would have uh, would have got the most kind of points. I think, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, but yeah, in terms of uh, for and against, but. Um, Oh, let me just have a look. Actually, while I, while I'm here, since we're talking about looking back, let me just have a quick look. Um, so the best attacking team. Well, let me ask you, which team do you think was the best? Without looking at the score at the mm. at the scores, uh, which I just went through. So you know, close your eyes. Who do you think was the best attacking team numbers wise in the tournament? I think numbers wise for attack, I would say. Based on the 60-6 scoreline, I'd say England, actually. <laughs> Don't know if that's correct. That uh, is correct. Uh, they had a points for was 196 points wow. against, uh, and, and, and for Australia was 192. So it was very close. But yes, yeah. uh, England just edged out Australia in terms of points. Considering they had Samoa, France, and Greece, uh, whereas Australia had Fiji, Italy, and Scotland, I think it's fair to say that, especially with Samoa in that team, I think the uh, England were probably the the most impressive, yeah, um, of of the of the teams. And I have to say, just while I'm here, uh, Dom Young, you've heard the name Dom Young. No, it's mm. not a it's not a wonton soup factory. It is uh, mm. Dom Young is a star winger for England. If you haven't heard of him, yeah. he scored four tries against uh, Greece. He has scored uh, – how, how many other tries did he score? He scored mm. two tries against France uh, and two tries against Samoa. So I'm not keeping track with top try scorers in the competition. I, I really wish they would make more of an effort to kind of bring those stats to bear when you when you look up the World Cup. Um, but I, I'm, I think it's fair to say that Dom Young is probably the top try scorer so far with eight tries. If I'm not mistaken, uh, could be wrong, but there you go. Um, mm. But yeah, so uh, so that you know, in terms of my, uh, oh, the other thing is, who do you think was the best defensive outfit? Okay, well, I'll rule out Scotland and Greece at the moment. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to say Australia. 
I think you would be, let me just have a final. Yes, you would be correct. They only had 14 points conceded, whereas uh, the next best were actually England and New Zealand tied, I think, with 28. And not too, too far behind is Tonga with 34. And so, and when you consider that, you know, well, well, I guess when you consider that they had PNG, Cook Islands and Wales, I think that's not as impressive for Tonga. But I think uh, definitely Australia, uh, impressive, impressive, impressive. So I think England and Australia have shown clearly that they're the top two uh, nations out there. New Zealand, it's hard to say. They haven't really been tested. Uh, they, they they did top their table. Uh, they had Lebanon, Ireland and Jamaica. It's fair to say that the key game for them was uh, the Lebanon game and they won that 34-12. to 12. So it wasn't a total demolition like some of the other games, but it is what it is. So there you go. Um, final words, Tish, before we move on. Well, look, um, I think, uh, yeah, look, I think um, if... Oh, look, yeah, uh, we'll we'll go into the criticism a bit later. So, so no final words until we. Until oh, we okay, we'll again. we'll reserve. We'll take. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll take that on notice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, see ya. All right, let's go to tackle number two. Our quarterfinals previews. All right, the first quarter final uh, is Australia versus Lebanon, which will be really interesting because we will have potentially the matchup of the grand, the NRL grand final halfbacks, Mitch Moses versus Nathan Cleary, potentially yet again. Uh, you know, I, I think there's a, a few question marks from the. Uh, uh, even though the the teams haven't been announced yet, I think it's pretty clear that um, you know the 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 key issues that we're going to see in the selection is uh, which halfback is Mal Meninga going to choose? Is he going to go Daly Cherry Evans? Is he going to go Nathan Cleary? Um, is Munster going to stay at five eighth, or is is he going to sort of do something fancy? Maybe bring in both D- DCE and Cleary. In the halves, who knows? Um, that's that's kind of one one question mark. Um, and, and I guess the other thing is, uh, uh, yeah. The, well, I, I guess that's the main question: who the who is the halves going to be? Because I think I think it's pretty clear that the rest of the team is kind of fairly settled. You may have some uh, opinions about about the backline, etc. Josh Adokar has been performing very well and, and will be a star here. Um, Lebanon, I think it's all about Adam Dewey and Mitch Moses. Josh Mansell has been sort of quietly achieving there as well at the end of the back line. Um, but it's really been a Mitch Moses and Adam Dewey show. Uh, and bookings wise, in terms of the betting, <laughs> um, Australia is at $1 to win and Lebanon $81. So I think it's wow. fair to say that they are overwhelming favourites, Australia. Mm against a Lebanon team that is made up of some NRL players, admittedly good NRL players, but also a bunch of part-timers and semi-professional players. Um, having said that, they earned their place in the quarterfinal. They came second in their group uh, with uh, with New Zealand. I think, uh, did I say that? New Zealand with uh, as the other 
team. Um, they had a four, you know, a points differential of plus 58. So, you know, it wasn't like they just scraped in. They they won two games that were required to win, Ireland and Jamaica, um, deservedly in the quarterfinals. But, Tish, I think it's fair to say that we are looking to Australia to uh, really dominate. But I'm actually looking forward. You know, we're talking a 34-12 win for New Zealand over Lebanon. Uh, it wasn't really... Uh, in uh, you know, in uh, doubt, I guess uh, there was doubt until you know maybe a little bit into the second half. Uh, so I think that's uh, kind of telling a little bit that you know Lebanon is going to put up a bit of a fight. But Tish, what do you think? Australia, Lebanon, is it going to be a total dem- demolition, or are Lebanon going to put up a fight? Yeah. Well, look, I think there's no question that Lebanon will actually bring on a fight. I definitely think that they will bring their passion because they've bought their passion throughout the whole uh, tournament. And the reality is this is uh, this is something that they would be hanging out for, really. Make it to the quarterfinals, be competitive, and, and I think the passion is going to be there. I don't know. Uh, look, I can't go all the way back to, to Australian rugby and rugby league history to find out has there ever been a Wallabies coach who is prepared to team against the Australian Kangaroos, right? Um, but that's what Michael Checker is, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> like, that's the uniqueness of this situation. I think he was, he's also got a – he's got an uh, Argentina playing England uh, this weekend as well, right? So, he's he's double-booked as coach, so that would be interesting. So, uh, <laughs> so, so, so how that's going to go. But, look, coming back to Lebanon, look, I think they've had – you know, they've averaged around about 20 points a game uh, scored against them, right? So it, it does show that. And now re- reality is that's like, you know, three tries and a penalty goal or, you know, four, 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 or, four, or, yeah, four or five tries, right? So they have been spirited enough in, um, you know, in in defense. And one of those games has been against New Zealand where it was 34-12, right? So, you know, it's a 22-point deficit there. Um, so I definitely think that they will bring their defense. I think it's one of these things where, you know, th- you know, they'll take pride in holding Australia to below, say, 40. Um, but I think they're going to go in there trying to make sure that Australia don't score as many tries as possible and just, and just like, you know, just don't give up in attack. And then the, you know, the interesting thing is, um, you know, it's a bit like uh, when you have a guy with like Mitch Moses who's got a really good kicking game, most of the time, I know uh, there was a bit of criticism in his kicking game in the grand final, but you know the reality is he does have a really uh, good kicking game, right? And Adam Dewey has also got a great kicking game too, in terms of like some of the the bombs he could put up and stuff like this. So yeah, it's going to be real. Uh, I think it's going to be real tight, right? Like I think, look, I think there's going to be a few different. It, you know, there, there's a game plan that Lebanon can have, which is obviously you know really you know. Uh, focus on their defense, try to hold out Australia as much as they can, and then, uh, you know, in their attack, just get to their kick, um, try and get some repeat sets, try to keep the ball away from Australia sort of thing, right? Yeah. Uh, which I think is it. And with Australia, they really haven't had a test at the moment, right? I mean, they did have some competitive moments where Fiji which, you know, don't really have the quality in halves as what the Lebanon team has. But, you know, Fiji were able to 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 cross over 
um, you know, twice, and um, they actually had uh, they actually bombed a try as well. So, you know, so so uh, yeah, so Australia haven't been tested, which I think is always uh, something you want to have, and I don't think Australia settled right. Like this whole, you know, saga between, you know, should I pick, you know, the DCE or or Nathan Cleary? I think there's a bit of disruption with the team. And, um, you know, I heard one person say this and I thought it was kind of interesting. Like, you know, you see these players sort of, you know, battling against each other in state of origin. You see them sort of, um, you know, uh, week in, week out, be enemies, you know, in the NRL. And here they are working together. But, yes, they do score some great tries. But, you know, when it comes to like a tight moment, have Australia got enough uh, team spirit within them to to come out on top? So I think, yeah. So look, obviously, I think Australia are the favourites. Obviously, I'll go for Australia. But I think Lebanon have enough guile in their team to to at least test Australia for a little bit. And, and, and I think, you know, I'll take... I think I won't take a bet with Lebanon winning, but I'll take a bet that they could keep the score to below 20. Maybe even to below ten. I'm prepared to go that far. Wow, I don't, I don't know about that, but I think, uh, I think they will put up a fight. And let me just sort of, as we finish up this discussion on this game, uh, there's a an interesting, uh, there's a form guide if you look at NRL.com that tells you what their last six games were and whether they won or lost, and those games go into the last World Cup. And if you look at uh, the last time they met, I think was a group match. They must have been in the same group in 2017. Australia won that one 34-0. Um, and after that game, uh, Lebanon lost 24-22 to Tonga. So Tonga made the semifinals, uh, and basically it was Lebanon v Tonga in the quarterfinals. And they were pretty close. They were two points away from making the semifinals last time. Um, and, and, yes, obviously, we're talking about, you know, the, that fourth semifinalist is is probably going to be a step below, depending on who it is, a step below the top three. But you never know. Anything can happen. And last year, uh, last time around, obviously, New Zealand also uh, didn't perform very well. So they were kind of the, um, yeah, that they, they suffered a little bit last time. But... Uh, and then when you look at, uh, you know, Australia's form last time, you know, well, as I said, the, the last time these two teams met, 34-0 Australia. But I think given that Lebanon in a knockout situation last time around, almost won against Tonga, I reckon they'll put up a bit of a fight given also how Tonga came close to defeating England and England came close to defeating Australia in the World Cup. So, you know, on their day, I think a lot of these teams can put up a bit of a fight. I think this one's going to be Australia's in Australia's favour, but uh, I look forward to seeing how much has Lebanon actually improved. Uh, you know, now they've got Mitch Moses, Dewey playing well, so who knows. All right, ta- um, the next quarterfinal is England versus PNG. Um, head-to-head, they have played twice. Uh, the last time they played, England won 36-6 against Papua New Guinea. And the time before that, it was 32-22, England won in 2008. Uh, so, you know, they, they uh, look, two wins. If you look at the form guide as well, PNG, um, you know, the like I said, the 36-6 was the last... Uh, if I'm not mistaken, 
that must have been uh, the last quarterfinal. Uh, the quarter uh, a quarterfinal from 2017. That's what that game was. Um, I'm I'm sensing a pattern here with Australia, Lebanon, England, PNG, the same exact quarterfinal matchup as four years ago. That bothers me a little bit, but we'll talk about that later in terms of the way the team, the the organisation of the World Cup is structured. Uh, but England PNG, we saw a very impressive England this time around uh, in in the group stages. Uh, PNG as well were quite impressive against Wales and Cook Islands. You know, only six points behind Tonga in game one of the group stage this time around. PNG has improved a lot. I'm thinking that the, this will be a lot tighter than 36 to six. Tish, what do you think? Yeah, look, I think that this is going to be tight because I go back, you know, we talked about defence, right? So I think when we when we look at PNG defence, firstly, they're notorious for the big hits, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's that that's what we know PNG rugby league for, right? Um, so I think that's that's the one thing. But um, you know, I'll, okay, look, their their group is is probably. You know, I think some people would say it's probably probably the weakest group, right? Um, but they've only got a, an against of 40. So if you put that over three games, you're looking at what, um, you know, 40 into three, uh, 36, or what are you, 12, 13, about 13 points, right? A, ga- a game, right? So um, I don't think, yeah. So, so and I think, I think that, meant that, that is fair. So I think, and I saw them against... Uh, Wales. Now I know Wales is not the best competition in the world, but Wales had opportunities, and the way um, you know PNG defended, um, you know, and they they sort of all scrambled, you know, like you know, it's going to be really like I think England can 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 do well to go uh, ninety meters, right? But I think once you get to the last ten meters, PNG will scramble like crazy. Right, that's what I saw, and I think they have the passion to do that. I think they love defense. You know, they're one of these. Uh, you know, they love tackling. Like you know, you could t- you could tell they and they love to put on the big hit. And then you've got Alex Johnston. You know, world class winger, and and I think a great fullback as well. Um, so even the kicking game from England has to be on song a little bit. Um, you know, they're going to be in for a fight. Like I know they they trounced uh, Samoa, but you know. I think this game is look. I'm not saying again. PNG to upset is, is is huge, but I think within 20 points, I think I think PNG are that good, and I think it goes to show that I think PNG has been a, a bit of a quiet achiever in this World Cup. They have uh, improved since since you know in the last five years, and I think also um, you know the PNG hunters, the pathway programs into the NRL. Um, you know, what's happened is, is that they may not have as many NRL superstars as some of the other Pacific Island nations, but their second tier of players that play in Queensland Cup, um, you know, are really quite good. And I think you've also got Lachlan Lamb, who is obviously now in the Super League quality halfback. I think I think they're a solid team. I think they're a solid team. Yeah, they may not have the firepower of England. Uh, but but you know they're they're a team that I think can trouble them, you know, for different moments of the game. And if England don't take their opportunities, 
you know, this scoreline could be close. So England for mine, I think it's going to be around about a 20-point thing again, um, but I think it's going to be a tight one. Yeah, I agree. I think it'll be a lot tighter than last time around. And I think for those reasons that you mentioned, um, P and G, I'm expecting more improvement. And look, at the end of the day, we're talking, uh, you know, a team that only just lost out in the first group game against Tonga by six points. And that first showing, I think, was a real testament to they're here to play and they're here to be serious. And they that's that's what they did. Um, and, and I think that if they can match it with Tonga, like in a knockout stage, they could possibly match it a little bit with England. The betties, the bet, the betting agencies that seem to think that, uh, you know, obviously England are heavy favorites, but not as much as in the Australia game, uh, one Oh five to win and 10 to one for PNG to win. So the odds are a little bit tighter and, uh, you know, I don't know if you're a betting person, who knows? You might want to put a bit down on PNG. I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend that. But because I think England was so impressive in that first uh, group stage. So, um, yep, that's England PNG. And the next one is New Zealand Fiji. Uh, and when you look at uh, the stats there, uh, they the the only time they played in a World Cup was last time in the quarterfinals as well. And Fiji defeated New Zealand. Four points to two, an extremely low-scoring and weird game, um, which Sounds then they followed. No yeah, which then they followed up with a fifty-four to six drubbing at the hands of Australia, uh, so that knocked them out and guaranteed, uh, you know. But they made the semis, and that's really the key thing there last time around, and that was very exciting. Uh, the question is, can they do it again? Uh, now, New Zealand mentally. They in the group game uh, they lost to Tonga, and then that was followed up by this knockout. Uh, you know, Fiji knocking them out in the quarterfinals. Uh, again, you know that that is probably the lowest of the low in terms of New Zealand's performances of late. So they'd be looking to avenge those performances. Mm. Um, they have certainly been impressive enough uh like i said 34 to 12 against lebanon was the real test and sort of cemented and showed that they you know they're here to play the 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 floggings of jamaica and ireland uh while impressive i don't think show enough of a litmus test of how they're actually going i think that lebanon game uh admittedly it was in game one it round one here so that's that's going to be you know take that with a grain of salt i guess because uh you know, other teams have been building throughout the tournament as well. So uh, Fiji, uh, on the other hand, you know, lost that first game to Australia, got flogged by Australia, but then returned serve against Italy, flogging them 60-4, to and then having a good solid win against Scotland probably should have put more points on. So they have not been as impressive in terms of uh, their ability to score tries and, and defend. Uh, the bookies, however, seem to think that on that basis, New Zealand one one dollar and one cent uh, on, and Fiji are twenty one to one, twenty one dollars. So, you know, probably more outsiders than PNG are against England is what the bookies are saying, and uh, I tend to agree with that. What do you think, Tish? Yeah, I think so too. I, I think um, you know the last time they played, obviously, it was a great great day for Fiji in rugby league. 
um, to be able to beat like a heavyweight like New Zealand, right? Like so, um, and it's their only ever meeting, and they beat New Zealand at home, <laughs> right, in Wellington. Yeah. So yeah, uh, so it was a ma- massive achievement. But they also had the Hain plane, you know, Jared Hain and Fiji. Don't I mean, look, they've got some great. You know, they've obviously got Coruscant and Kikau and, you know, some some really good NRL talent, top-line talent, Mike Acevo and so forth. Um, but they don't really have – I suppose, you know, obviously Coruscant is in the spine, but they don't really have um, somebody in the halves like like they like, like a Jared Hain, right? You know, so so I think they're missing a big organiser out of, you know, out, out of the halves. Obviously, Coruscant is a terrific um, – you know, organizer out of dummy half, but an organizer around the back line and around, you know, the direction of the team. So I know Wakeham, his, uh, you know, he's sort of a fringe in our real player. So, um, you know, he's going to have a big job to try and try and, uh, and sort of steer around the raw talent of Fiji uh, up against New Zealand, who obviously New Zealand are a very, I mean, on paper, they're a sensational team. I mean, you've got Jerome Hughes and, um, you know, uh, you know, Dylan Brown, both players, you know, playing in the NRL final series. Um, and then you've got, you know, uh, Manu, which if he wasn't playing for the Roosters, any other team, he would be the the fullback for them. And he's probably top five fullbacks in the world at the moment, right? And a bit of, bit of a, you know, a bit of an X factor there in him. And, you know, obviously you've also got... Um, you know, the block of cheese or whatever they call him, the, uh, you know, um, the new Roosters uh, dummy half, um, you know, Brandon Smith, right? So, so again, a, a really good dummy half as well, like, you know, and, and a great forward. And, you know, I think they've got a good rotation off the bench as well with, with uh, you know, where he could sort of slot into the second row uh, sort of as a, as a running um you know, uh, you know, player as well. So I think they do have definitely a lot of strike power. Um, and um, and I think and I think coming uh, thinking about their side in previous World Cups, I think you know that they kind of had a bit of a drain um, with you know as Tonga and Samoa uh, have sort of built up their teams. It has affected New Zealand because a lot of these players would have played for New Zealand. But I think Michael Maguire has done a great job in getting the passion back in the Kiwis team. Um, they have mm. been building, and I think, I think, I think, yeah. So, so if we take that scoreline um, from four, you know, t- yeah, the, the four-two scoreline from from twenty seventeen, you could say that Fiji have sort of gone down a couple of steps, and maybe New Zealand have sort of improved by about four or five steps. So, with that said, I think. Again, look, you know, all these games, I think these top three games, um, <laughs> I, I'm looking at that 20-point mark. I really feel like these these three Tier 2 nations are within 20 points of who they're playing. Maybe Lebanon is is actually a bit more of an outsider than Fiji and PNG are to, to their respective opponents. Um, but look, I, I, I think Fiji have the capacity to keep it t- tight, but I just think the class of New Zealand is going to come over the top of them. All right. And finally, the big one, as far as I can see, this is one that could go either way. Tonga v Samoa, the Battle of the South Pacific, the Polynesian Cup winning mm. a cup. Uh, Tonga, um, unfortunately, it's uh, they didn't start out too strongly compared to where they've been uh, in, in recent years. They did defeat 
uh, well, so they undefeated in the group stages, had a tight win against PNG, then flogged Wales and then demolished Cook Islands. So if any team has shown the ability to, uh, or, or, the, or the fact that they're building throughout this tournament, it is Tonga. They're getting better and better. Um, and and it's 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 getting a bit scary to be honest. If uh, and when you look at Samoa, Samoa took uh, the worst possible first step in this tournament, um, getting flogged sixty to six against England. Uh, very very disappointing. It was a big crowd there, uh, and and unfortunately, it it started them off the back foot. Luckily, they had a, a debutant. Uh, in the next round, uh, that's Greece. Uh, so they were able to, uh, you know, this must be the biggest turnaround in history. 60 to 6 mm. loss one week, 72 to 4 the next week. Unbelievable. I don't know. I don't I don't know my maths that well to do it off the top of my head, but mm. that's a massive, you know, 140-point turnaround almost. Uh, mm. and, then, and then they finished up with a, a 62 to 4 flogging of France, which, which – was you know again I did sort of say they sort of competed a little bit against England, uh, but uh, you know so they put on more points in the, against France than uh, than England did. They also uh, have been building quite strongly, and so now I guess the reason why I'm super excited about this Tonga Samoa match is the fact that you know both teams have a lot to be excited about. Um, were it not for my tip of Tonga winning the tournament at the beginning of the year, wow. uh, which I'm still sticking with, mm. I I would have almost said it would be great for Samoa to actually uh, stamp their mark and make it to the semis for the first time. Uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they've never they've never done that uh, before. Let me just have a quick look, just to double check. Um, yeah, they've never progressed beyond quarterfinals. Uh, the last two World Cups, they were quarterfinalists, and unfortunately, uh, now they have to, they, they, you know, they have to go up against a fellow Polynesian nation in order to make the semi-finals for the first time ever. Um, I don't know. I, this is really one that I'm not sure about because I think both teams have the potential to actually go all the way. From from what yeah. I've seen. But you know, but the big question mark is Samoa's first up flogging to England showed that they've got you know mental issues. I think performance issues. There's been discussions that we've had about Matt Parrish. Is he is mm. he doing the right thing by by the Samoans? Is he building them up? It looks like they're building up nicely, but mm. you know, when tested against England, they capitulated and they were terrible. And so that to me says that uh, you know. Tonga, in comparison, has been consistent and has been for a few years. Uh, again, they were semi-finalists last time around. I think they will be semi-finalists again. I'm tipping Tonga, but I wouldn't be surprised if Samoa wins this one. And if so, uh, look out whoever is coming up next. I think it will be... Uh, yeah, uh, let me just have a look. I think it, it's, it's going to be England. Is that, or PNG, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right. So it's either going to be England or PNG. So potentially we could be seeing mm. the same um, yep. matchup as as the 2017. Could we see Tonga seeking revenge? You know, were it not for Andrew Fafita's butterfingers, 
uh, in the last dying moments, we could have seen the Tonga team in the in the final back then. Uh, and obviously, since then, they they were building and building and building until they ultimately, uh, you know, rocked the the rugby league world by defeating Australia in 2019. So, um, yeah, for me, I think Tonga, uh, but equally on their day, Samoa can be, uh, you know, you can't go past players like Jerome Luai, I think, Crichton, uh, Brian Toll. How can you go, how can you write them off? <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're built for success. They've been very successful in the NRL. They Are they ready to take that next step? It's all on the line here. Um, Tish, what do you think? Well, um, firstly, I think this is one of the marquee games for the whole entire tournament, right? I think um, I think it's one of those things where if you're looking at a Rugby League World Cup, you're looking, when is Australia going to play New Zealand? When is Australia going to play England? When is England going to play New Zealand? And when is Tonga going to play Samoa, <laughs> right? <laughs> They're right. kind of the big matchups, right? And probably you could even put sort of these days Tonga playing New Zealand. Samoa playing New Zealand, I think those are also great clashes as well that we want to look at as well, right? So, but coming back to this particular game, look, I mean, I know it's a, they're playing for a spot for semifinals, but I think that goes out the window with when these two nations play each other, right? It's all about, you know, we want to beat the other team, right? Because it's just the pride of who is the best Polynesian rugby league team in the world, right? Is it Tonga or is it Samoa? And they play for it. It is as strong as state of origin in terms of the passion uh, that these two teams play. And I think this is why it's going to be a great clash because they're going to bring their A game, both teams. And, you know, if I look at the teams on paper and I just think about, you know, uh, the Samoan team having, you know, what, five or six players that played in the NRL grand final plus another eight that played in state of origin. And you think, wow, they've got so much talent, but they've really, you know, it's within them to get flogged by England 60 to six, right? So there's a bit of a disconnect sometimes with, with their team. And I remember a few years ago, they had a, a pretty similar team to what they had now. And they got flogged by Fiji by 40 points. So, you know, but I feel like against a team like Tonga, they won't do that. Um, but on the flip side, I don't think, I think Tonga, you could say that, you know, they don't really, I mean, they do have uh, good halves, but they're, they're not at the level of, of a Jerome Hughes, um, Jerome Hughes, no, sorry, of a uh, Jerome uh, Luai, right? So, um, mm, yeah. you know, and then probably their back line, you know, their back line's got some class with Daniel Tupo and, and uh, you know, Christian Pololetu uh, and, you know, a couple of eight other players, but not really. Now, forgive me, Dr. T, in trying to work this out, but where is, which team is David, David Fafita is for Tonga, isn't he? He is, yeah. Yeah, well, there you go. That's well, that's a bit of a factor right there, right? Because uh, David Fafita, you know, he's he's got two modes. He's got on the bench, uh, you know, riding a bicycle, or, <laughs> or on the mode. field scoring a try. <laughs> right. That's a. It's basically his life. You know what I mean? Like so, um, you know, like uh, even if you see him in the shopping center, you know, and if you need to get something. Uh, that's in the corner. He's going to die for it in the corner. That's that's David Fafita, um, or or he's just going to ride his bicycle there. That that's all he does. But he's there, and he's a bit of a factor for Tonga. So Tonga do have some strike to counter 
Samoa and you know Samoa can't take them lightly. It's gonna be great. Like I can't wait. Absolutely. But, I'm gonna have to, but I think Samoa. I, I kind of. I'd say probably more out of heart than head. Look, I think Tonga. I mean, to be honest, I don't want these teams to play each other in the quarterfinals because one of them is going to be eliminated. I would have rather the organizers figure out a way to have, you know, say Samoa take on, you know, a New Zealand and a Tonga to play England or something like that in the quarters. Uh, even Tonga to play Australia, right? Something like that. Because that would make two interesting games out of these quarterfinals and then a really intriguing semifinals. But... They've obviously opted to try and make sure that England make it to the final, right? Oh, so, I don't know if you can say that, but... Uh, I think look, so. With the way the semifinals have been arranged, I think that's basically what's happened, so yeah. All right, look, we're not even halfway through the tackles, but we are. We do have some easy ones coming up, but let's have a bit of a discussion about uh, whether the World Cup is a farce. This is tackle number three. There has been a lot of internet chatter and discussion that I've seen on this World Cup being a farce. A lot of people pointing to the blowout scores. There's a few games that have been, uh, you know, where teams have reached 90s. Uh, other other teams have reached 70s. There's an 80s. There's a 60s. There's a lot of floggings that we've seen in the group stages. And a lot of people have pointed to that and said, uh, you know, what a joke this NRL, sorry, this Rugby League World Cup is, you know, joke, 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 uh, what a farce. Um, I've engaged myself with some of these people on social media saying, you know, how come no one says anything about these kind of floggings in, say, the Rugby Union World Cup? We've seen lots of examples of that in group stages um, the other thing is I think it's got a lot to do with the game. If any, you know, out of the four codes of football that we engage in in Australia, I think rugby league is uh, one of those codes where if you're not 100%, you know, on song in a particular day and your opponent is, you're going to get flogged and the points are going to look terrible. <laughs> it's going to look like a massive difference. You know, a lot of this has to do with the way the way we score you know, four points for a try, two points for a conversion. Rugby Union's got five points for a try, three, you know, two points, and then you've got three points for penalties and all sorts of funny things that, that mean that... And also the game itself is not necessarily, uh, you know, geared towards scoring tries, uh, whereas with Rugby League, I think, uh, you know, the, the nature of the game, the fact that it's limited to six tackles and then you've got a handover. There's a lot more of giving up of possession in rugby league and, and giving your opponents another go. And, uh, you know, there's things like that that really uh, can can escalate uh, and, and amplify differences between teams on scoreboards. Um, the other thing that's been mentioned is that that's the, the crowds haven't been as good as what was expected. Um, you know, some people are saying that the the official crowd numbers are inflated compared compared to the reality of what they're seeing on the ground. Um, people are looking at you know 
whether whether a stadium looks half full and knowing what the capacity is, inferring what the number the official numbers should be, and not seeing that, um, you know. So there's things like that that we're seeing. Um, so I guess let's start with that, and then let's let's look at uh, you know, are there legit reasons that we can look at to improve the game and improve the co- uh, the the organisation and structure of a World Cup next time around for 2025? But Tish, you know, very quick answer if you can. Do you agree that this World Cup so far has been a farce? Um, look, I would say no, because I think in every World Cup. Um, of of different sports, right? There's always going to be, um, you know, you've got these teams that are not as good as the top tier nations, and you've got, you know, that that are going to when they play the top tier nations are going to get smashed, right? And that is reality of the World Cup because, like, and and I think that even pl- applies to the World Cup uh, in in football, which is obviously the biggest World Cup out there. Um, and the reason why I say that is because, look, uh, I know there's 32 teams that play. Um, but you know you do have uh, when the minority nations play and they lose six two. That's that's basically a sixty point drubbing, which we see in the NRL, uh, which we see in the Rugby League World Cup as well, right? So, you know that's fine. And look, I'm just going to pull another sport out as well, the FIBA World Cup from 2019. That's the men's basketball World Cup, right? You have teams like the Ivory Coast who have a points differential of minus 48, South Korea minus 82, you know, minus 22 from Iran, minus 108 from the Philippines, minus 85 from Japan, um, you know, Montenegro minus 46 at the end of the tournament, minus 77 from Jordan and minus 89 from the Senegal. So you could see like, you know, and, you know, there's, there's a lot, there's a, there's a lot of teams here actually. Minus 140. Yeah. You just see so many teams, um, with negative scores at the end of the finals, right, of the World Cup of Basketball, right? And I'm sure if you go and look at the World Cup of Rugby, look at the World Cup of Football, and obviously against the scoring system, you've got to remember basketball is only two and three point, you know, you could go up by, right? So, uh, and I suppose one point for, for each basket in the penalties, right? So, you know, to have a difference of minus 82 kind of shows you what type of... Um, you know, what type of uh, scoreline differentials there were, right? It would have been mm. the top nation. So, you know, I, I, I think rugby league is about right at where it's at. And, you know, unless you have these weaker teams being able to play in World Cups with the stronger nations, how do you expect them to improve as well? I think I think, I think, think that what probably is a farce, if if I'd say, is is like the... the the three or four years where we don't have uh, the World Cup and there's no international rugby league being played, right? I think that's the bigger issue, mm-hmm. and that's probably why you have so because none of these na- a lot of these nations they get to play. There's not enough international rugby league being played. Therefore, there's not enough uh, combinations. There's not enough team camaraderie, and and I think ultimately leads to to this. Um, and I think also you got to look at you know if you sort of dissect which teams have improved and which teams have not. I think what you have found is that probably the Northern Hemisphere nations um, have have sort of weakened against the the Southern Hemisphere nations. Um, that also could be in, look, I don't know if anybody's even talked about this, right? 
those nations were way more affected than COVID in the last two years than what Australia was, where the majority of the Southern Hemisphere nations are as well. So I think before you sort of just go, oh, this is a farce, this is a joke, whatever, I think you've actually got a real, realistic look at it. Compare it to every other World Cup and you'll find that there are there are massive score lines uh, you know, in, in those World Cups and look about what, what has led to these score lines for this World Cup. And what you see is that there's just not enough uh, rugby league test matches in between the World Cups, um, you know, to, to prepare. And I think that's that's the real uh, – I think that's the real thing that rugby league will, will, will get together. And, you know, if you took it – I think if you put those two factors in, you'd probably say that this World Cup has probably been uh, – well, it hasn't been close. I don't, I don't think you could say that, but I think you could say that it, it hasn't been as bad as what some other World Cups are out there. That's what I'd say. Yeah, exactly. And and I think, uh, yeah, it's good that you pointed out also that there's actually another theory going around, which you kind of alluded to, that the Northern Hemisphere teams, if you take England out, um, I don't think any of the Northern Hemisphere teams won a game against their Southern Hemisphere uh, mm. opponents, which is absolutely fascinating and and that's a stat that tells you that there is you know behind england in the uk in the europe there is no uh there's no close second at the moment um you know we're talking tonga samoa you're trying to knock in at the door of the the top nations if that were to be the case then we're talking a you know minimum four maybe five teams if you count samoa depending on how they go in, in the top tier of nations. And when you look at that, um, that all of them are from the Southern Hemisphere bar England, that tells you there's something going on. What's happening with France? What's happening with, you know, Scotland and Ireland and Wales, which, you know, had so much potential in the past. But France is a key one. I don't know what on earth is going on with them. I expected more from them. Um, but be that as it may, uh, yeah, the... Uh, like you said, there, there's opportunities to look at ways to improve and le- and take some of the criticism online as legitimate criticism, not just as an opportunity for, uh, as we know, what rugby league it, as a game does is it doesn't really take criticism very well. It picks on the wrong issue. Um, and I'm hoping that that's not the case this time around. I think... Um, uh, there are some legitimate concerns about these score lines and the lack of development amongst some of those um, European nations uh, in particular. Um, and, yeah, so, uh, look, there's a lot to improve. So I think uh, in summary, I think we agree to some extent that there are some farcical aspects of what we've seen. But I think when you compare to uh, other sports, as you said, when you compare to look at the context a little bit more deeply. I think it's unfair to say, as some people have said, what a joke, what a farce is this tournament. Um, As I've said to some people as well, wait until you get to the quarterfinals before you judge, you know, the knockout stages because you're always going to have that disparity in group stages. Uh, But the quarterfinals, the knockout stages is where it counts. And uh, I'd be interested to see how we go uh, as, as a as a tournament, but yeah, some really good points there, Tish. Do you have any others to round off this discussion? Yeah. Well, look, when it comes to, uh, you know, crowd numbers, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, um, I think, you know, England, uh, yeah, this is the host nation. Um, they've just had a new prime minister. 
they've got a new head of state, right? In like what a hundred, almost ninety years. What, what, That's however, true. they've gone yeah. through a lot of changes. Yeah, gone through a lot of changes, and you know their number one sport, which is uh, football. Well, it's like the season has started, <laughs> right? So, you know, so I think probably the timing of when this World Cup is taking place is probably something the organisers should have had a look at. Um, look, I just think that in the, I mean, look, I did have some points of what I felt needs to happen. And I think we kind of sort of already talked about them a little bit, but just, mm. you know, we need the Northern Hemisphere nations, Ireland, Scotland, and Wales, um, they need more players um, that have got NRL experience in their teams. So there needs to be pathways from those local competitions to the NRL. Um, and, and you know, got a lot of NRL coaches and potential coaches over there in the, you know, in these nations at the moment. And, you know, if they could pick up, you know, a few players from these nations that then get NRL system experience um, and hopefully even NRL game experience, um, that could really uh, start to Im- improve them. I think there needs to be some sort of, uh, you know, tournament between years, every t- like, you know, a, a sort of a round-robin style, uh, you know, I'll call it a champion's trophy type, uh, competition where you do like you know ten, eight or ten teams, uh, and then they're in two groups, a bit like how the World Cup cricket works. Uh, I think it's called the Super Twelve. You know, make it like the Super Ten or something like that, and then you know have uh, you know two groups of five um, playing four games against each other, and then just having the semi-finals. Right? If you play a tournament like that, you're going to get all the quality games that you want to see, you know, you'll get England, Australia, Australia, New Zealand, all that sort of stuff. Plus you're going to get all the Pacific nations playing against each other. Some of them, you're going to get a few nations like France and Scotland or whoever qualifies to be able to then, um, you know, play against, play a few tests against other nations to improve. And I think that's the type of thing they need to do in between world cups to try and get um, these nations more competitive. They just need more, they need more players in the NRL and they need, more, they need more test matches. So that's the real thing that hopefully International Rugby League can actually fix because I think once that it has occurred, I think you'll start to see uh, a much more exciting Rugby League World Cup. And the last thing is probably, uh, sorry, just have to point this out, right? The nations that are improving are the nations that have war dancers, <laughs> right? or have a real strong pride element of their heritage, like Lebanon, for example, right? You know, like Fiji, like uh, Tonga and Samoa. That's why sort of, uh, you know, grandchildren, like, like you know, you, grandchildren, like their, their heritage, their ancestry is from these nations, and they want to play because they have pride in their culture. So I think cultural diversity and, you know, the continuation of that, you know, it's strong in the Pacific Island culture and it's strong in sort of the Middle Eastern culture. I think it needs to sort of also have an effect. And it's probably strong in the Mediterranean culture as well, right? But is it as strong in the Northern Hemisphere cultures, which is maybe something that we need to help cultivate? So, yeah. Absolutely. Great points there. And no doubt I think we'll revisit this at the end of the tournament proper and we'll see whether... It's, people are still saying it's a farce or um, or it's a game changer, I think, which is what I'm expecting. But look, let's move on to the fourth tackle. Here we go.
right. We have been focusing on the men's tournament, but there are two other tournaments that are happening concurrently. Uh, I thought I'd quickly sort of talk talk you through where the, those are at, and uh, we'll give our tips at the end of the show. The first uh, thing we're talking about now is the Rugby League World Cup, the Wheelchair World Cup. Um, it will be the fourth time that we're seeing this with the previous winners being, well, England, the inaugural winners, and then uh, France have won the last two in a row uh, against England in the uh, the final as a runner-up. Um, and so this time we're having the most number of teams that we've had, eight teams in this World Cup. We are seeing uh, England as the hosts and France as the holders of the World Cup have been given automatic entry. And other nations that were invited, I believe, uh, they were they were selected on the basis of uh, uh, their submission against a range of criteria, including current international and domestic infrastructure and plans for growth. The other six teams at this World Cup are going to be Australia, Norway, Scotland, Spain, United States, and Wales, or were going to be that. Those were the teams that were selected, but Norway was replaced by Ireland due to uh, Norway not being able to prepare sufficiently for the tournament due to COVID uh, pandemic-related issues. So what we'll end up seeing is two groups. The first group is Australia, England, Ireland, and Spain. And group B is France, Scotland, Wales, and United States. Obviously, France and England, uh, the two kind of strongest teams are on diff in different groups. So that's a good thing. So hopefully, if uh, the cards fall right, we're going to see if they are the two best teams, we're going to see them in the final. That's the aim of it, I think, the way they structured it. Um, yeah, so there's there's a lot of interest uh, online about this and and some discussions around what are the rules, etc. Uh it's an epic kind of game to watch. I mean, uh, you know, very difficult circumstances for players to uh, the way they play. It's a brutal sport. Um, mm. It's really exciting. And as I said, France have been, have won this two times in a row. Uh, I don't expect there to be any kind of uh, any surprises here in terms of what we're seeing. Cause I think it's, uh, but yeah, France and England, I think are the two teams to watch. Uh, Tish, uh, do you have any comments on the wheelchair rugby league World Cup? Yeah, well, look, I think it's going to be exciting. Look, I have seen footage of this World Cup before, and it is a brutal sport, right? I really, um, I really gotta, uh, you know, I really gotta like, uh, you know, uh, take my hat off to some of these pl uh, players that do play in the sport. And um, look, I'm not too sure what their uh, status is, whether they're amateurs, professionals. I would imagine that uh, a lot of these players, uh, they would have to take you out. They'll probably have regular jobs outside of, of this World Cup. Um, so making big sacrifices for the sport they love. And I think it's a great thing for us to support. And, um, you know, hopefully, look, I don't know what the uh, what the uh, television rights for this World Cup is going to be in Australia, but let's hope that, you know, some of these games can be seen by the general public. And, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I always want to go for Australia in these type of uh, tournaments, but um looks like they're, the un they're, they're heavy underdogs, you know, to the might of the English and the French in this World Cup. All right, uh, let's move on to the women's tournament, tackle number five.
The Rugby League World Cup Women's Tournament is on. It is the sixth World Cup for women. The first three were won by New Zealand, uh, and the last in the years. Let me have a look. 2000, 2003, and 2008. Since then, Australia have won the last two, 2013 and 2017. I think they've probably been considered as heavy favourites for this one as well. But you never know. New Zealand have been worthy adversaries in the past. Um, if we look at the structure, we have two groups. Uh, group A is made up of England, Papua New Guinea, Canada, and Brazil. And Group B is Australia, New Zealand, France, and Cook Islands. Uh, oddly enough, I think Australia and New Zealand will probably be the two to advance to the knockout stage from Group B. But that means that they could potentially still meet in the uh, final, uh, given the structure of the, the quarterfinals. So, Tish, I think it's like I think it's fair to say that Australia would be heavy favourites to win this one possibly England a little bit further behind and possibly New Zealand. Um, but, yeah, uh, what are your thoughts about the uh, the women's tournament? Yeah, look, I think this is going to be great. And I think um, the gap between Australia and New Zealand, uh, well, I don't think there is a gap too much. I think, you know, there's a lot of NRL talent there. So I think that should be uh, obviously great to see these two teams play and how they're going to go in the World Cup. So probably leaning towards Australia. Um, and then look, some of the other nations, obviously, like, you know, Canada is sort of well ranking four. Um, so sort of a different nation sort of in there, right? And uh, in this sort of to- tournament, so that's going to be interesting to see how they will go up against, you know, some of these more established nations. And even the Cook Islands have a higher ranking here than what they normally do, um, you know, in the men's game. So... Um, you know, interesting to see how, I suppose, that second tier, whether some of these nations can can pierce the top top nations um, for the World Cup. So, um, yeah, super exciting and um, it, it should get out to it. And look, I, I think, um, I know we didn't really sort of spend on this, but there is actually another World Cup that has already uh, finished, which is the, um, the PDRL, which is the uh, Physical Disability Rugby League World Cup. And uh, England have actually ta- uh, been crowned the first ever champions for that, um, beating the Kiwis 42-10 at Halliwell Jones Stadium in Warrington. So, uh, you know, uh, well done to the uh, to the English team taking out the World Cup for the PDR World Cup. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, thank you for mentioning that. I think, yeah, there's a lot of World Cups going on <laughs> with mm. the three concurrent ones as well that we've just mentioned, uh, yeah, the, the Physical Disability World Cup. Well done to England for winning that inaugural one there. All right, our final tackle is the tips for the quarterfinals. Here we go. All right. So the remaining tips from uh, the group stages, uh, we both got 15 correct out of, uh, I don't know, I think it was out of 16. Um, and 
which means it takes my current total to 174 and yours to 174.5. Wow. So it's a still a tight one. Mm. Let's see how we go. I've thrown in a couple of other games that we're going to give tips for. Uh, so here we go. This is it. You've got to make a choice. Australia versus Lebanon with the winner to play New Zealand or Fiji. Australia. Australia, that's an easy no-brainer there. England versus PNG with the winner to play Tonga Samoa. Yeah, um, England. England. New Zealand versus Fiji. Uh, well, I, I should say, I did I did I ever mention mine? I'm tipping Australia. I'm tipping England. New Zealand, Fiji. I as much as I'd love to see Fiji win, I think New Zealand are on the up, and I think they will reclaim their spot in the semi final. New Zealand for mine. What about you? Yeah, look, it's so tight, so I'm going to have to go for my head. I'm going to tip New Zealand on this one. All right, Tonga Samoa, the big one. Uh, I look. I've, I'm denied about this because I think Tomoa, Samoa is the uh, as as much as they are underdogs, I think they are a dangerous side. But I'm still leaning towards Tonga on this one. So Tonga for mine. Yeah, look, I'm going to tip Samoa. I think they're uh, yeah the uh, you know the transformation is on. Well, there you go. Well done. Um, all right, and then finally two other ones. Uh, you know the wheelchair. Rugby League World Cup, as I mentioned, uh, France, current champions. I'm tipping France to win this one yet again. What about you, Tish? I'm going to tip England in the biggest rivalry in world history. <laughs> right. And the Women's World Cup. Now, we're not going to go through all the games, but we, we're, I'm going to ask for your tip for the overall winner. Um, I think... Australia are clear-cut favourites and deserve to win. So Australia is going to be my tip. Yep, look, I agree. Come on, Aussie, come on. <laughs> All right. Australia there to win. Well done. So those are the Jillaroos to win is our prediction. Um, look, that's it. We are onwards to the quarterfinals of the men's game. Looking forward to it. Some big clashes. And next week we will review those games and give our predictions for the semi-finalists uh, for the semi-final, sorry, to decide who makes it into the World Cup final. Tish, thank you for an epic one yet again. Uh, over to you to wrap this one up. Well, thank you, Dr. T. I'd like to thank everybody for listening, but that's all the time we have for this edition of the Rugby League Republic. We are your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now. <laughs>